0: Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com.
1: Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters.
0: Well, welcome back to another show of Your Story with Melinda, and this show is going to be great because now I have my new best friend, Wisdom Moon, with me via Skype from Nashville. And, yes, his name is Wisdom Moon, and it's his real name. It's not some stage name. It's his real name. (laughs) Wisdom is great. He's part of our team here at faithstrongtoday.com because I know you guys are checking us out. And every Friday you can hear him as he hosts his podcast, We Are Worship. And I think Wisdom, it's also live Wednesdays on your site as well, right? Yes. All right. Wisdom is also uh, works for Integrity Music. He's a worship leader. He's passionate about worship and artists, so we're going to learn a lot from him. He's got four kids. Yeah. Pray for his wife.
1: Yes, please. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to learn a lot. We're going to hear his an incredible story of faith, how he came to Jesus, and why he is so— in tune and passionate about worship and leading people to jesus wisdom welcome to the show
1: thank you for having me
0: yeah how's nashville
1: uh today it looks beautiful it's nice and warm feels like summer yeah uh, yeah we moved here almost two years ago and yeah we're loving it so
0: awesome okay well as much just dive in because you have a, a long story a really great story So, I mean, here you are, you're sitting in this place in Nashville where people want to be because it's sort of like this hub of music and energy. Mm. But let's go back to the beginning of your story. You're from South Korea and your family. Tell us a bit about that, because uh, your dad was an atheist and your mom, a devoted Christian. Um, Tell me how that was growing up. And then because people be like, how did that work? That you You found Jesus, you know, so start from the beginning there.
1: Yeah, so I can go way back before I was even born. uh, My mom uh, married this atheist man. Um, It was kind of an arranged marriage, you know, because it was back in the day when that was common. And um, in Korea, having a son was like a huge deal. Like you have to have a son, you know, to pass on your name and all that. So uh, my parents started having kids One after another, it was a girl (laughs) and they had four kids. They were all girls. And so finally, my mom prayed really hard. I think she did like a hundred day prayer um, and said, God, if you give me a son this time, um, I'm going to devote him to your ministry, like Hannah's prayer, you know. So they prayed, she prayed and they had me. Um, Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So I'm the fifth, I'm the youngest, um, and you know, this was back when Korea was a lot more a uh, poorer country, you know, so it was kind of a third world uh, country. So gr- growing up there, um, it was, family is a huge thing. So like my, you know, dad's parents lived with us and they were kind of Buddhists and um, so there was a lot of tension in the home um, between my mom, who's a prayer warrior, and she was in ministry, uh, and then my dad and his parents who didn't want to go to church, you know, and so there was a lot of like butting heads and, um, the, and there was a lot of uh, fights about that in the home. So it wasn't a very, you know, like peaceful, happy home yeah. growing up, you know.
0: So how, as a young boy, are you internalizing this? How is this making sense? Like, are you sitting here going, I've got a a Christian mom who prays. uh, I'm a miracle baby, really, because she prayed. And so there's a a God part, a Jesus part. And then there's my dad, who's like, atheist, no God, that kind of thing. How are you internalizing this as a young boy? How are you making sense of this?
1: Yeah, like it was, I think a lot of it had to do with my mom uh, taking me to church every time she was at church. So I remember as a little kid, maybe five or six years old, um, being taken to church for like a Friday night, all nighter, you know, prayer (laughs) meeting Mm -hmm. or something, and I'd be sleeping on the pew. Um, So it was just a part of me, you know, growing up in church. So I didn't even have second thoughts about it. And because my dad um, had come across more, you know, um, you know, threatening towards the church and um, my mom was like the peaceful, you know, peacemaker and very loving. So I naturally, I think, gravitated, you know, towards that and towards church. And it was some place that I can go where, you know, I could have friends and, you know, be involved and have fun. Um, So church to me, was like a safe place growing up. Um, And I didn't really even realize that I was supposed to have a personal relationship with God and that I was a sinner till I was, you know, about 12 years old.
0: And how did that happen? Like 12, you know, you're... You're sort of coming into your own as a young boy. You know, there's a lot of stuff you're dealing with. You're dealing with like puberty and body change and things. And and for some guys, it's, you know, not necessarily, you know, sort of make the decision for God. It's all other things, right? Um, Why at 12? What was it that was sort of this catalyst or trigger uh, where you said, okay, you know what? I want to follow him. I want to make a decision.
1: Yeah, I actually had a very rebellious summer that year. Okay,
0: there (laughs) we go. Okay.
1: (laughs) That was the only rebellious time really of my life where I started shoplifting. I started lying to my parents and skipping church and having friends that I was influencing in a negative way and they were influencing me. And a lot of it was hidden from my parents, and I tried to make stuff up. Like, I would literally tell my mom, hey, I'm going to my friend's church, but I would go down to my school and just hide out for two hours.
0: And do what?
1: <laughs> um, I would just sit there, and I think I, I would find cigarettes on the ground and, like, pretend I'm yeah, smoking. And- <laughs> the
0: cigarette butts that <laughs> yeah. people discarded. And you would yeah. pretend to smoke, or would you actually smoke?
1: No, I, I tried cigarettes because my Grandparents smoked yeah, yeah. Uh, in our house, so I would try a couple of times just out of rebellion, yeah. and I hated it. Yeah. Um, so I would just do stupid stuff to rebel, you know, just to rebel against my mom and against the church. So one day, my mom found out <laughs> through a friend of mine <laughs> okay. what had been happening. And so it was actually after church on a Sunday afternoon, and she sat me down in my room and said, You know what? This is not something I can. I mean, she was very grieved and she said, you know, I'm not going to spank you. You know, I can't make you change. And she said, the only thing that can change you is the grace of God Mm -hmm. and you realizing that you're a sinner and you need his forgiveness and you need Christ in your life. And she actually led me in a sinner's prayer right there, like on our knees. I was bawling. She was bawling. And did you
0: get it, Wisdom? I mean, like sinner's prayer sin at 11. Do you believe you really understood that concept?
1: That was the first time that I actually realized wow, I'm a sinner. Like, I actually need Jesus and what he did on the cross. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was just stories, you know, Bible stories about Noah and, you know, Moses and (laughs) things like that. Like, that was the first time it actually hit me. And I realized in my heart that I'm a sinner. I need a savior.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Because it seems like, I mean, and you know, in my own story, it's always sort of like that prodigal daughter. And then, you hit that wall and I've done that so many times and then you realize, oh my goodness, in and of myself, like I'm not good or in the sense of you can only go so far with you where you're like, I've tried everything, you know, <laughs> it's not working And I'm not happy doing this, you know. When you're Mm -hmm. trying to escape or be rebellious or whatever, you know, I'm not happy. And then you realize, you know, the only way that that true happiness, deep rooted, seated fulfillment and contentment comes from relationship with Jesus. And I don't want to sound it like it's so cliche and that that's the answer. I'm just saying, in and of itself, you can only go so far, right, in yourself. So you okay? So you say the prayer. And I'm assuming like a light from heaven didn't fall down on you and went, ah, (laughs) (laughs) and you're like, all right, or maybe, I don't know. All right, here I go. Like, so it happens, you say this prayer, but really the prayer, I want to be really clear. It's not like the prayer is the magical potion, right? You know, I'm kind of like not into that. Just say the prayer and you're in and you're good. You know, it's a heart change. So what happened then? Because you say this prayer. You realize, you know, you need the Savior, and then what happens with your heart? What do you?
1: Yeah, what really happened for me is surrender. You know, surrendering my will and my life to Christ, and then there was a shift in just how I, you know, approached life and how I lived my life, and I really like became on fire for Jesus. And at school, I I wasn't even ashamed; like I was very bold. You know, I was in middle school, and there was no like. Christian club. I don't know if, like, that's still a thing these days, but...
0: (laughs) I don't think so anymore. I don't know if they're allowed to be in schools, but maybe there are some.
1: Like, back then, you know, there were Christian clubs in schools, and there wasn't one at our school. So, I actually went to our vice principal and said, can we start a Christian club? And he actually happened to be a Christian, so... (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah. So, I kind of led the charge in starting a, a Christian club there, and from there, like, I started to really be a witness, you know, in my school. And somehow I had like boldness. And even though like English was my second language. And when I moved here, I was nine years old. Yeah. uh, So so your
0: family immigrated, right? When you were from South Korea to California.
1: Is that right? So I was nine, moved to California and interestingly back then I was a very very like small minority. There were like no Asians in my school. So I dealt with a lot of racism growing up in school and I somehow learned English pretty quickly Um, and within like two years I graduated from ESL English as second language and uh, I became fluent and I was able to, you know, communicate to my friends, you know, the gospel. And so, yeah.
0: Let me ask you this, that's a big one, because even for me, when I came to Canada, you know, I say this in my story, like I was, you know, one of two or three brown kids in my Mm -hmm. sort of middle school, in my high school, there might have been five or six of us, you know, because the guys that were Jamaican were for the football team, right? (laughs) Um, That's hard as a kid, because I understand that. I mean, how did you work through that? Because you're completely judged on your skin color and being different, Mm -hmm. but not for who you are. Yeah. So how did you make sense of that? How did you navigate through that? That would have been hard.
1: Yeah, I think the first year in the States, it was a huge culture shock. And I think I cried a lot (laughs) at home and just depressed and feeling lonely. Everybody looked so different from me. And, you know, I knew kids were making fun of me. I didn't even know what they were saying. I had one other Asian kid in my class in fourth grade. And I was like standing in line Uh, about to go into class one day from recess and he came up to me and like started saying stuff and laughing at me and I I was just so upset at that point that I actually like punched him in the stomach and he started crying
0: (laughs) I'm laughing not at well (laughs) should I say good for you or oh wait am I affirming that but yeah so he was like bullying you and you were like
1: you're the only other Asian <laughs> kid in this class, and you're making fun of your other Asian oh. kid in the class. So oh, I,
0: that's sad. That made me extra Wisdom. Upset. <laughs> so you're crying, you're going home. And I mean, here's the thing you could have decided to get really angry or super depressed and do something that would have harmed yourself. Uh, you could have been really angry and bullied back. Mm hmm. Why did you choose not to? Is it the Jesus factor or what was it really? Because that's hard. Again, you're a teenager. Your brain's still trying to form. You're new. It's culture shock. I get it. Yeah. And this is hurtful. And as a young person, like, that's devastating. And, you know, you could respond either way, right?
1: Yeah. But and- I think a lot of it I internalized, and that's what ended up leading to rebellion, you know, in that summer. And my mom, unfortunately, wasn't around very much because of ministry. And I think A lot of it had to do with just an unhealthy atmosphere, like, you know, environment in the home. And so I think she would turn to ministry and be away from home a lot. My dad was very disconnected from me. Um, We hardly had a deep conversation. You know, it was just kind of like, hi, you know, how was school kind of thing. I had nobody to turn to. So a lot of it I had to internalize. And that's when I started making the wrong kinds of friends in school.
0: So you're making the wrong kinds of friends. But there's something about that you really believe that you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, right? Yeah. And it's in there because I get it, Wisdom, because it's like this weird tension. Not I don't want to say double life hypocrite, but kind of, right? Because yeah. you know and you really believe about Jesus and yet you're acting counter mm-hmm. to what he's about, right? Yeah. So was it the music? What was it that kept you from not going completely off the rails what finally happened because here you are now worship guy working in music industry podcasts about music everything seems about music and artists and you know getting people collectively together to to worship so what happened where did that come from
1: you know i think looking back i would really credit a lot of it to my mom's prayer you know like She would pray for me every night, every day. I mean, she's a a true intercessor. She prays for hours and hours every day for people. And I think that's really what kept me from just completely rebelling and going off and doing my own thing. And so a lot of times I was just torn, you know, like that double life. And just wrestling with that constantly. Yeah, I, I would... Definitely, like, credit that to my mom's prayers.
0: Yeah, me too. You know, when I share my story, like, across Canada, I say to parents a lot, I said, listen, if you've got this prodigal daughter, son, or grandparents, if you have got a prodigal, you know, granddaughter, grandson, or whatever, you Mm -hmm. need to be on your knees praying. And I actually call it, like, extreme. I'm like, you pull heaven down (laughs) to earth and you say, God, you know, your will. And if it's not me as a parent getting through to my kid, then find somebody that's in their world to talk to them. Yeah. Right. And I say so many times, like in my own life, you know, I'm at the club. I'm drunk. We're, I'm hanging out. I'm dancing. And one mm. of my girlfriends, who's totally drunk, looked at me. I'll never forget this. And we're sitting at the club and she, me, she says, you know, what, Melinda, and the music's loud. And somehow I don't know how I heard her. And she says, you know what? She goes, you know, this is what I think of you. And I'm like, OK, like best friend hanging out. She goes, you're a hypocrite.
1: Oh, wow.
0: OK. Not a Christian. <laughs> drunk telling me I'm a hypocrite and something was in in me went, and I was like, yeah. and then I remember thinking I kind of laughed. I'm like, God, did you really use a drunk friend of mine at this (laughs) club in Toronto to speak to me? And I feel like in a very deep voice, he said, yes, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I did. Right. So he can do that. Right. And I think that it's kind of cool how he works that way. So you're in high school. What Tell me now, let's sort of like figure out in your story, you you do that, but then within it, you're liking worship music or music. So where did that happen? And then from there, how did it kind of springboard to what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, like music was always something that I really loved and enjoyed. And I just like couldn't stop listening to music. And maybe that was my way of de-stressing and like my own therapy in a way. yeah. Uh, so I would actually spend a lot, like every dollar that I had, I would spend it on buying Christian music on cassette tape. <laughs>
0: cassettes, cassettes. I Back loved it. Yep. <laughs> and then if you got really mad at something, you just pull out the tape <laughs> yeah. and we string them all along the road.
1: <laughs> oh, I've never done that. No,
0: we used to do that at Halloween and stuff.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. So, wow That's awesome.
0: Okay, bad. so what was your first um, cassette for worship, like do you remember um,
1: some of my first uh, artists that I bought were like Carmen, <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like
1: BBNCC and CC Winans.
0: yeah.
1: I actually listened to like such a variety of music, okay, uh, like anything from like black gospel to what we call CCM now to like rap, yeah, um, and you know even people like um, Wayne Watson and you know. I listened to just such a diverse, you know, style of music. And I think that really helped shape me and have a passion for music. Mm-hmm. And like I, I would like sometimes at night I would hide in my closet with a little like Walkman.
0: The Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pink one that I got from Hong Kong when I was living in Asia. Oh, wow. And I wish I kept it now. It would have been a classic <laughs> and restaurants yeah. all coming back. Oh, the Walkman, yeah. I
1: would like record (laughs) and pretend that I'm like a radio DJ, you know?
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: And record my own shows that no nobody ever heard. Where are uh,
0: those cassettes, wisdom?
1: Uh, I burned them and oh. destroyed them permanently. Made sure that nobody could Shoot, ever access them. that those. would have been awesome <laughs> to come
0: back in archives and then then play it on your podcast. That would be yeah. great. So you know what's neat about that? It's like there you are. It's like something. I mean, God putting that in you. But then now you're like the host of a podcast. Yeah. So from the you know in the closet secretly to now very publicly. With, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people listening in all the time, whether on YouTube or on your site. It's amazing. So you're going about, you're listening, and is it, are the words or the music changing? Like, what's connecting with worship? Because not everybody wants to, like, land in Christian music world, be a worship guy, you know, do that. Like, what's happening? What's connecting with you about that?
1: Yeah, you know, like, as far as worship, what really... Attracted me to worship is uh, I don't know if you remember the song Trading My Sorrows yes. back in the day. So,
0: <laughs> <trading> my- Sorry. <laughs> that was the first one, like for Baptist Girl. It, I, I became a little bapticostal <laughs> No, I'm seriously because we had to clap and move a little That's
1: bit. That's awesome.
0: That's yeah. huge. Yes, I loved that song.
1: <laughs> so, I bought that CD Freedom by daryl Evans, yeah, and I would play that. Over and over, like, I listened to that CD so many times, like hundreds of hours. And God just, like, used that album to make me a worshiper and help me realize, like, what a worshiper is. And, uh, you know, I was in college, like, freshman in college when I was, like, really deep into that CD. And I would a lot of times just, like, lock my bedroom door and turn up my stereo and listen to it for hours and just worship and pray and one day just God met me in the middle of it um, in one of the songs and I just completely broke down and started bawling and like I had one of those just like encounters with God that I can't explain, you know? Yeah. And that really, I think, is what the point where I like really became like super passionate about worship. And I started like leading worship and getting very involved in the worship ministry and like learning about worship from conferences. And I would go to conferences by myself in a different city and fly out there. Wow.
0: So, yeah. talk to me about this because I mean, it sounds like it's just like worship is one of our words, our catchphrases mm-hmm. in sort of like this evangelical world of ours, yeah. right? What is the importance of it? I mean, you know, we're, we're in a time now where there are friends of mine and people who, you know, don't collectively get together on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, church is where you are, small group, and that's good. But why is it important? that we collectively get together and worship. And what would your definition of worship be? So let's start with yes. that. What's your definition of worship? And why is it important that we collectively worship together?
1: Yeah, I think there's, you know, two different, I guess, definitions of worship. One is, you know, many people use this definition, worth you know, giving God his worth. And worship is really a lifestyle, you know. We're supposed to be living sacrifices, so... Really, we are worship, just like, you know, the We Are Worship podcast (laughs) and what we do. So I see it in the big picture. uh, Worship is a lifestyle. It's our life, giving it, you know, to God, for God. And then the other aspect that you're, you know, referring to is congregational worship Mm -hmm. or corporate worship, where we gather together and we call it a worship service. And it's not just the singing, but it's also the sermon and the giving. That's all a part of the corporate worship aspect, So, I mean, I think that's very, very important to a Christian because a lot of times we can you know try to be the Lone Ranger as a Christian, but we weren't meant to live that way. Mm -hmm. You know, we're meant to be part of a body, you know, the body of Christ. So uh, when we come together, we're not just coming together for our own sake so we can feel better or we can hear a sermon, but we're there to encourage each other, you know, like knowing that maybe somebody has cancer in your church and they're there worshiping their heart out and lifting their hands and they're just pouring it all, all out when you see that as an example of worship you like get so encouraged and you go man I have no reason not to worship yeah because God's worthy of it and its worship isn't dictated by our circumstance and what we're going through but it's dictated by you know who God is
0: yeah That's awesome. I think that's really key because I think a lot of people equate worship as just like standing singing. Mm -hmm. And so when they're not engaged, you're like, I'm not really into worship. Like, I'm not – I don't raise my hands. I'm not like you. Like, so – you know, and people get all hung up on that. But I think Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful definition. Like, worship is us in everything we do. Yeah. And just the singing part is one aspect of it. But worship is in our giving, our time, our sacrifices, how we relate to people. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. A few more minutes left. But, I mean, I know maybe you can't say this, but what – or who – is your favorite I wouldn't say worship leader but one of your favorite interviews what was your favorite interview with a worship leader in your years oh, man. I know <laughs> and that okay maybe you have to be politically correct on this but just maybe just you know somebody and why so that stands out.
1: I started uh podcasting like 10 years ago it was called the all about worship podcast it was Back when, like, podcasting had just started and not many people knew about it. And I set up a MySpace page and started connecting with my,
0: people. <laughs> I, yeah. I did too, but yeah, in the day.
1: <laughs> I didn't know how to interview people. I didn't go to school for it. And I just thought it'd be cool and fun to do it. And God started opening up different doors. And I actually got to interview, like, folks like Kerry Job and yeah, yeah, Kim yeah. Walker Smith of Jesus Culture. I would say one of my... Favorite interviews was with Kim Walker-Smith because she shared a very, very like embarrassing story that I still remember. What is it? (laughs) She basically she has a brother that she was taking care of that was really sick, and like in the middle of the night, you know, she had been up for hours and hours and taking care of her brother, and she was just exhausted, and so she was like sleeping, I think, in the same room as her brother, and she got so thirsty in the middle of the night, like. She just got up and drank, you know, this whole cup of water and then woke up in the morning and looked in the cup and realized she had drank his vomit.
0: No, (laughs) no, she did not. No, she did. Oh, I feel kind of sick now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So he
0: actually vomited in the cup like he vomited in the cup. Yeah. Oh, he didn't make it to the washroom or anything. Yeah. Okay, that's disgusting, but that's an awesome story.
1: I was like, I don't know how I got that out of her, but. Because that that's was...
0: like one that you know forever will be. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Listen, I want to have you back. My producer, Kirk, is giving me the, like the countdown. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you, like, keep doing what you're doing. You know, leadership at, you know, weareworship, you weareworship.com. Know, amazing. Great resources. That's my plug to you viewers listening. <laughs> And also, you know, We Are Worship podcast, you know, airs on facestrongtoday.com on Fridays. And it also airs live on weareworship, right, dot com. Is that right? Yeah, on if Wednesdays. you go to
1: weareworshipwednesday.com, it will okay. actually take you straight to the page. Yeah.
0: And so keep doing what you're doing, Wisdom, like amazing, great story. And I think it's just a great story of how God can use you, even if you're a rebel, and even though you struggle and, and your family life isn't perfect— you know, God's got great plans for you, and you're a testimony of that. It's amazing.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and it's, seriously, it's if you come up to Toronto, I'll come down to Nashville, and we'll, yes. we'll go on the road or something. <laughs> that would be great. We'll share all of our embarrassing awesome. stories, and all of the yeah. people we've interviewed, their embarrassing stories too.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, well, take care, and we'll uh, connect with you soon. Thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of faithstrongtoday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.